Good morning, and welcome to another Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, the managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Battlefield 5 and the electronic arts stock price, uh, which was discussed at length in a, in a really detailed and good article that I saw on Seeking Alpha earlier this morning. And Seeking Alpha is essentially an analyst's website. It's a website of folks that put together analysis of stock prices of public companies in the stock market so that people that are investing in the stock market could maybe have a better feeling for whether a stock is likely to go up, likely to go down, or why they're seeing the changes that they are seeing in the past 52 weeks, the past year, or the past quarter, or the past months. Uh, and one of the reasons I like to use uh, finance sites and uh, financial statements and quarterly reports and annual reports to really look at things related to not just video games, but other industries that I work in regularly and for my clients and for client deals is because financial statements have a clarifying effect. They have a way of cutting through all of the volume and noise that relate to potentially the politics of the situation or the emotion of the situation or things that we as human beings naturally apply uh, to the things we see before us. Humans like to look for patterns, and so it's easy for us to try to see something and say, hey, that's the reason why this is happening or this is the reason why it's not happening. And looking at the finances from a kind of analytical, objective point of view uh, can often be clarifying to avoid some of those easy footfalls, those, those logical traps uh, that we can fall into. Now, financial analysts can fall into similar traps, so you always want to get as much information as possible before kind of triangulating your position. But I thought this article this morning was particularly insightful, and I just wanted to talk to you a bit about the process that I go through when kind of figuring out my own positions on these things, on things in my day job, when I'm talking to clients, uh, when I'm working through legal issues. Um, so without further ado, let's take a look at that article. And we're going to read through it uh, a little bit um, because I do think it brings up a lot of insightful points, uh, some of which are going to verge a little bit on uh, the political controversies and things of that nature. So before we get there, I want to say uh, you know, I think that the analysis here is useful insofar as I do think there were communications errors from DICE, from Electronic Arts, that are contributing to the lack of sales for Battlefield 5, are contributing to the lowering Electronic Arts stock price. I don't think they are uh, the only contributing factor, and I think really there are some more significant contributing factors. Uh, and on that score... I don't think that the decisions they made in developing the game in the way that they did with the kind of customizable fighters, with the more uh, female fighters that are on the front and in the game themselves, I don't think those in and of themselves are bad or harmful necessarily. But I do think the way they were communicated to an audience that maybe was not as receptive as DICE wanted them to be at the out um, did cause problems. I think there's always this kind of friction where a developer's vision doesn't necessarily match audience expectation and the publisher the developer really has an obligation if they want to see sales growth if they want to see good sales for their video game or for their movie or for their other project to bridge that gap and i think it can be done i don't think we actually do live in a world where it has to be um 
two teams of people fighting amongst themselves for a media product that both really want to see succeed, really want something that they love, that they love to make, that they love to play, that they love to view in the case of movies or television shows. Uh, but we are getting into a place in, in internet culture where it seems to have a more adversarial bent, even amongst consumers and producers, in a way that doesn't make a lot of sense to me as a lawyer, uh, because the, the producer wants you to consume and the consumer wants to consume what you're producing. Uh, it's just a matter of the way the tone of these conversations goes, I think, is very contributing to some of the problems that you see. And so I think Battlefield Five, and I think Electronic Arts is a good case study there. Electronic Arts, in my opinion, has always had some difficulty with communication. Uh, and you could certainly see it in 2018 very significantly, right from the initial offer of Battlefield Five, And I don't know how many of you saw that or how many of you remember, but they had this kind of internet web show thing that essentially said, we're going to talk about a game that you haven't seen for 20 some odd minutes and you're going to only get a CGI trailer at the end. Uh, and then so on the back of that kind of uh, lacking in energy presentation, they sent that trailer out into the world and then people were angry about it. I don't think solely because of the content that was presented in that trailer, but the way the entire game idea was presented in and of itself. Uh, so again, I think communication is as important as development here, although I do think EA has to be concerned with how, uh, how things have gone so far. So let's take a look at this article. Since peaking in July, shares of Electronic Arts have fallen over 45% and set a fresh 52-week low on Monday. So that's obviously not good. Uh, this, the stock market is a, a market of shares, of interests in companies that people can buy and can trade amongst themselves. And the price is set based on how people feel the company is doing, in essence. So peaking in July, back in July, coming off the heels of E3, uh, people were feeling pretty good about Electronic Arts, thought they would make some money. And since then, they've rethought things, they've gotten other information, they've gotten other news, and the share price has essentially been cut in half which is never a good sign and it's usually the time the start uh, the time when executives at a company really have to uh, look at what they're doing the decisions they're making and potentially make some changes this year's release titled battlefield 5 suffered from consumer backlash as a less authentic portrayal of world war ii was revealed over the summer so this sentence is a little bit loaded uh, right so dice and electronic arts certainly claim that Battlefield Five represents something like an authentic portrayal of World War II. Uh, and the fact that they say that this is a less authentic portrayal, I think is accurate insofar as I think it's perceived as a less authentic portrayal. And I don't pretend to be a historian. I don't pretend to really be able to pick up on either side of this uh, in terms of whether DICE is right and it is pretty authentic, whether the people that are complaining about it are right and it's not authentic. I can tell you it is very colorful. It is very different from when you think of things like Band of Brothers or when you think of things like Saving Private Ryan. And so when we say authentic, it might be like when we're talking about uh, pizza and whether or not New York pizza is pizza or Chicago pizza is pizza. It's inauthentic insofar as it doesn't reflect Hollywood's depiction of World War II up till now. Uh, and so at the, at the bare minimum, there's a dissonance there between what one might expect in a World War II game or a World War II movie and what DICE is presenting. So I think the real argument isn't authenticity, although that's where it's wound up because that's where it's easiest to kind of have the political fight. But I really think it's a matter of 
Hollywood expectations. This is what World War II looks like, and Battlefield Five doesn't look like that. In some respects, it looks better, but it certainly looks different in, in either way. Alongside the announcement, full-year net bookings guidance was cut by $350 million. So net bookings is a technical term. It essentially is used to incorporate, especially for software companies, uh, revenues that have been committed to uh, but not yet earned. So uh, especially in software as a service and long-term subscription type uh, revenue models, you have this concept of uh, the money is booked. Someone has committed to buy it. Uh, to, to give us money, but it's not owed yet because we haven't provided the service. We haven't given the software. Um, so net bookings is just kind of the broader approach. So you don't need to worry about it necessarily. It can, it's analogous to revenue, but it's still useful as a, as a metric here. So they cut, they cut it by $350 million. And we're going to get into the article about um, uh, why that happened, what, what the $350 million represents. But I did find this chart also to be useful because some people might think, well, the stock market's had a heck of a third quarter, third and fourth quarter. And so maybe Electronic Arts is just is just mirroring that. And you can see here the NASDAQ, the technical exchange, is in fact down by double digits um, in the period of time that they're looking at. But Electronic Arts, the blue line there, uh, is down a, a much more substantial amount. And so when we're talking about uh, underperforming stock that's really problematic, uh, you do want to compare it to the overall market because the the overall generalized economy is going to have its ups and downs, uh, and that should basically be taken out of the equation for when you're thinking about an individual company. So Electronic Arts is having a bad day even while the technology sector is having a bad day I itself. Um, so let's go into talking about the politics a little bit. Um, we talked about it. My personal uh, impression is that the initial reveal was so lackluster, so lacking in energy, that I think that led into people being easily uh, maybe offended, but certainly disappointed uh, in the trailer as presented during that initial reveal. And so you see here the stats. To date, the YouTube trailer has garnered 13 million views with 340,000 upvotes and 500,000 downvotes. More downvotes than upvotes is always bad, especially for a pop culture media property. Um, so that's that's obviously quite significant. Uh, for a qualitative comparison only, the Battlefield 1 trailer had 60 million views, for, so pretty significantly more, five times more than Battlefield 5. Uh, but with 2.2 million upvotes to 44,000 downvotes, so just an exponential factor more uh, in upvotes to downvotes. So what you can get from this is, one, the Battlefield 5 announcement wasn't made with as much gusto. People weren't anticipating it as much, period. And then, based on kind of your your subjective interpretation of YouTube, the internet, um, social media culture in general, you can see if it only has 13 million views and people that viewed it still wanted to give it 500,000 downvotes, when I look at something like that, I look at that and say, okay, there was some kind of movement. It was some kind of symbol for some kind of group uh, that did want to express their displeasure. And expressing that displeasure might be because it's inauthentic. It might be because it's different from what they wanted a World War II game to look at. There, you can certainly ascribe very negative motivations to certain people, uh, but it's... Whether or not that's fully accurate, I would always caution people on. There are perfectly valid reasons to look at this and say, well, it's not what I wanted out of a World War II game, so I'm going to downvote it. It doesn't necessarily mean anything more from a political perspective. But that all being said, um, it certainly was an issue, and I think the bigger issue we see down here below. So in an interview by Gamasutra at the E3 event in June, 
EA's chief design officer, Patrick Soderlund, responded to the negative reaction of the trailer and to women in Battlefield Five. There are people who are uneducated. They don't understand that this is a plausible scenario. And listen, this is a game. There are a lot of female people who want to play and male players who want to play as a badass woman. We stand up for the cause because I think those people who don't understand it, well, you have two choices. Accept it or don't buy the game. So I think it's pretty obvious that this goes pretty high on the list of what not to do. When I talked about bridging the gap earlier in this virtual legality, it really is a matter of not setting up firewalls and not setting up your prospective consumers as enemies, as combatants to be uh, essentially conquered and tamed, and instead selling your product. You're a salesman in this capacity, uh, and you need to tell people why hey, maybe your initial gut reaction is negative. That's what you're working with. So your, your gut reaction is negative. How can we make that positive? Hey, look, we've done World War II before. We've seen what D-Day looks like in the same kind of band of brothers or Saving Private Ryan Mould. We think it's important to move video game industry out of these major battles when we're talking about this specific war, and we want to show a different light. We want to use coloration. We want to show different things and have it not be stayed and static within what you might be expecting. But we understand that that can be challenging and that can be uh, dissonant for you. But we think that we're really going to put something good together. You're going to wind up liking it. And we understand that you've got your concerns, but you've, you've liked what we've put together in the past. So you need to trust us now. And if you do, if you give us that trust, we're going we're gonna to make a great game for you that you're going to wind up loving. And you want to take these negative reactions. You want to take this gap that needs to be bridged, and you want to spin it positively. You want to sell your product for what it's offering, what it's doing that the people don't know that they even want yet, and not just essentially saying, oh, you don't like it? Then don't buy it. This is the exact same thing that happened when the Xbox One was initially launched, when they had the Microsoft folks going out and saying, well, if you don't want to always be online, we've got a product for that. It's called an Xbox 360. You don't want to tell prospective consumers not to buy your product. And this seems obvious, but certainly, especially in the video game industry, people have been getting caught in this trap for a while now. And <clears throat> I do think, excuse me, <clears throat> I do think this is the result. You wind up seeing problems for the products that you release because it hardens people's hearts. It, it, causes them to become more staid in their positions when there was certainly a, a large section of people that were even initially negative about your product that could have been reached, that could have been sold to. And this is exactly the wrong way to do it. Um, during July, the online game commentary community reacted negatively to Soderlin's uneducated don't buy the game and for the cause messages. In August, EA announced plans for Soderlin to leave the company after more than a decade of service. That's a bit of a non sequitur. My feeling on that when the announcement was made certainly was that it was somewhat in the offing the entire time. I don't think that these are related entirely, except to the extent that I do think Soderlund probably had one foot out the door when we're talking about E3, when we're talking about those interviews. And to some extent, when you are in that circumstance, when you are in that situation, your executives can go off script a little bit. They can make statements that they maybe wouldn't if they were thinking about what this job would look like for them five, ten years down the line. Uh, so I do think maybe he was a little bit more freer in what he was saying, uh, and that did cause problems. Uh, later in the month, an analyst with Cohen reported to CNBC that pre-orders for Battlefield 5 were tracking 85% behind Call of Duty. 
uh, and this is a problem because usually they're pretty close. So obviously from the start, Battlefield 5 looked like it was going to be in trouble. And so the, the nature of the thing is to figure out why. And in my, in my opinion, you've got a lackluster reveal, revealed poorly with a CGI trailer that was not what people were expecting. When people's negative expectations resulted in internet com- communication, a company that doubles down and tells people that they're wrong. And if they don't get right, they shouldn't buy the game. And you've got 85% fewer free, uh, pre-orders. Uh, looking at the guidance revision, it's uh, we talked about the the change from 5.55 billion to 5.20 billion. Uh, they talk about 115 million of that is changing exchange rates. Uh, that happens when you've got a large multinational company that's moving money between various jurisdictions. They do have up and downward trends based on what value their whatever their prim- primary currency is compared to the other currencies in which they're selling to. So they say they're going to lose 115 million from what they thought they were going to make just based on money movement. The remaining $235 million is attributed to mobile business expectations and the push of some net bookings due to a one-month postponement of Battlefield 5's release. So again, financial statements have to pick arbitrary dates, right? So in this case, Electronic Arts uses the calendar year, but it means when you, when you shove a game that was going to release in October out to November, you're essentially taking what would have been your December sales and you're, you're moving them out into fiscal 2019. And so that number is lost, and that's still within three months of release. So that's going to be a a substantial number. It's not going to be as big as a launch number or something like that. But it would be a substantial number, and that gets moved out of your fiscal year. So that that reduces what you're looking at. It's also interesting to note that apparently uh, they combined their their mobile business losses or reductions with the loss in Battlefield 5 revenue from that third month. Uh, and that can be done in financial statements. That can be done in uh, analyst reports uh, in a way to hide things, to, to make it not exactly clear as to which of those factors is really the primary contributor to that kind of reduction. And that might be happening here. I don't really know for sure. Uh, but certainly they expect less money from Battlefield Five in 2018, which would be a natural result of the month delay even if Battlefield 5 were selling like gangbusters. So it doesn't tell us the entire story here, but it is worth noting. Um, The next page, I think, uh, really goes into a great deal more detail about what I think is really happening here in terms of the sales right now, uh, which is uh, tells a great story here. I really do like this article in terms of the detail, so I do recommend checking it out for yourselves. I will link it in the description. Um, But it says EA's important release during the holiday quarter last year, so 2017, was Star Wars Battlefront 2. And if those of you who follow the industry closely, uh, followed Battlefront 2 at all, you know that it was its own kind of PR disaster. Prior to launch, the company clashed with players over the game's monetization scheme. So Battlefront 2 was part of EA's 2017 initiative to add loot boxes to absolutely everything that they've ever made. Uh, including Need for Speed and the Battlefront series. And in the Battlefront series, these loot boxes actually allowed you to improve your characters, which in a multiplayer uh, shooting game uh, is interesting because the loot boxes are available to buy uh, or were going to be available to buy and might have been for a short time for real money, and they offered advantages in gameplay, uh, which are essentially the, the biggest 
no-no is when you're talking about uh, microtransactions. If there's one thing the industry has pretty much always agreed on, uh, it's that pay to win, that players feeling like the richer person who's spent more money has an advantage in the actual gameplay is a loser in terms of selling games. And it's understandably so, because you don't want to feel like you're outgunned because someone spent $1,000 on that neato laser pistol. Um, they had initially planned to partially gate some non-cosmetic gameplay content beyond micro, uh, behind microtransactions. Unit sales came in 12% below the conservative expectation, even though EA had rectified the issues before launch. Uh, and importantly, fiscal third quarter 2018 net bookings were $29 million below the usually conservative company gu- guidance. So even when they're reducing what their projections are for a quarter, what this is saying is that those numbers are coming in even lower than that. And the company is trying to keep those numbers as low as possible when they're projecting them so that they can meet those expectations and they can surprise everybody with a good quarter. And even even taking that tact, being conservative, they're coming in below that. <clears throat> with the above in mind, EA adopted a customer-centric monetization scheme for Battlefield Five. Good for all, right? Unlike previous titles, all future game updates are free with no season passes, DLC fees, etc. So that's fantastic. Everybody loves that. Everybody has liked that model. You sell us cosmetics. If we want to look cool, that works for us. Sometimes we're okay with loot boxes and things like Overwatch. Sometimes we're not. Certainly there are some governments looking into those kinds of things. But the point is you're not selling season passes. You're not having the Call of Duty scenario where you've got this $50 extra pass and only there can you get all the maps and only the other people that have that pass can have those maps with you. So it's it's good for players. It's good. It's consumer oriented, but it does create problems for down the, down the line revenue streams. In the coming months, EA is extending the single player campaign, adding cooperative play missions, expanding multiplayer content, and introducing a limited bo- battle royale game similar to Fortnite squads mode. Now, this is where I think the real, real problem lies in Battlefield Five. It wasn't ready for release. If you look at the release that came out in November, it didn't have a complete single-player game, and that single-player campaign was already kind of bifurcated into little bite-sized chunks. It uses what they call war stories to essentially tell little tales, um, and that, that setup wasn't complete at all. It didn't have the cooperative play they were planning. It didn't have everything that they had talked about in terms of multiplayer, And most importantly, for a game releasing in 2018, it didn't have a Battle Royale competitor, which is exactly what Call of Duty launched with this year. Um, So this article goes on to say in the next paragraph, you can see there, that Call of Duty had its own problems. It didn't include a single-player campaign like it had for every iteration in the past decade. And so there was an opening ripe right there to take over what amounts to a single-player shooter space, which really wasn't serviced hardly at all in 2018, certainly not in the Christmas releases. Uh, You have uh, essentially the year before's uh, Wolfenstein game uh, come out and kind of service that uh, and and some of the kind of um, uh, simulation shooter type things like Arcane releases, they were Dishonored and and Prey, uh, and those are recent-ish, but nothing in the holiday season of 2018. So this this was ripe for the plucking. And Battlefield Five just didn't offer anything. And then Call of Duty added Battle Royale, and, and Battlefield Five couldn't match it at all. So you see here at the end, the conclusion, which I entirely agree with, is gamers from the growing Battle Royale player base are likely choosing the Call of Duty title or sticking with Fortnite, uh, while a significant portion of the campaign-oriented base <clears throat> finds nothing there. There's no campaign to play. And they, he says that they're focusing on Red Dead Redemption. They could be focusing on any number of things. 
You can play Assassin's Creed Odyssey for 150 hours and not hit everything that's in that game, and that's a single-player campaign. This has been a uh, open-world uh, amusement park in 2018. You want to play Spider-Man? You want to play Red Dead? You want to play Assassin's Creed? You can play any of those things. You can't get your shooting fix, necessarily, and I don't think Red Dead's the best place to get your shooting fix, but we could talk about that in another video. But the fact of the matter is Battlefield Five is essentially offering a weak counterpoint to Battlefield 1. It's essentially the sequel to Battlefield 1 in, a, in the next World War with less content than both Battlefield 1, previous Battlefields, and its most obvious competitor in Call of Duty Black Ops 4. And so you've got a situation where not only was the, the reveal lackluster, not only was there kind of squabbling over whether or not it was an accurate World War II or whether it was the World War II people wanted to see. Not only do you have Electronic Arts saying, well, if you don't like it, don't buy it. But when it finally released, it wasn't complete. It feels like an early access title with things that are going to be strapped onto it as you go and proceed into 2019. And I think people can feel that, which is why when we get to the next page here, uh, you talk about all the major retails currently have the title on sale for 33% to 50% off. The quickness and level of discounting is not standard. Now, I, I object to that last sentence a little bit, which is it's quickly becoming standard. Uh, you have games that are discounting to this level, 33%, 50%, maybe 20% in some cases, very, very, very quickly. It's one of the things that I comment on on my Twitter a lot, and it's one of the things I might just write a blog post about sometime. But the industry is having uh, a moment where it is making day one buyers, early adopters, uh, feel very stupid about their purchases. Uh, when you discount within the next month, 50%, even 33%, uh, you start to make people say, hey, uh, maybe I should just essentially pretend that the release date calendar is pushed one month back and I'll save $1,000 a year if I'm buying everything, uh, more if I'm buying really everything. Uh, there is a lot of savings to be had for someone waiting for just a little while. And I really do think the industry is going to really find that that's, that's going to be a reckoning if people, uh, like myself, to be perfectly honest, suddenly decide that game one purchasing, day one purchasing really is the, the stupid move. Um, and so you've got a game like Battlefield Five that doesn't sell initially well, that has a number of copies sold to it to physical retailers, and they're not moving off the shelves. And so they have to discount those to clear shelf space to, to make their business model work. Uh, and what it means from Electronic Arts' perspective is they're not going to make as much money as they thought they were going to make on Battlefield Five when those revenues finally come in, which is what this article says. Uh, you know, we're talking about sold-in inventory, which is the, the transaction between Electronic Arts and the GameStops of the world. But when we talk about sold-through inventory, which is talking about the actual sale of the video game from the retailer to the customer – if it's at a discounted price, that's going to flow back all the way to Electronic Arts, and it's going to be an even lower revenue number that's booked in quarter one 2019 than what, what you might anticipate from the pure unit sold number. And so that's something that really Electronic Arts need to be, needs to be worried about. Um, and, and finally, when we told that little story, when we discussed that little story about Battlefront 2 last year, and we talked about how they got rid of loot boxes, they got rid of monetization, Battlefield 5 doesn't really have a strong monetization component. It has some uh, 
cosmetic options, as I understand it. Uh, but in a first-person shooter game, I, those cosmetic options aren't nearly as uh, important uh, as in a game like Fortnite, where you're a third person and you can see the chameleon on your back or the candy cane axe that you're using. Um, so I do think you've got a situation here where you didn't have initial strong sales, you didn't have an aggressive monetization scheme, which is good for consumers, but not great when you're talking about the bottom line for the company itself. And you had that initial reveal that really caused problems, and you wind up in this position where you've got a battlefront, uh, you've got a Battlefield Five game that is going to be a continued drag on your financial statements, and certainly off the projections that you were making earlier in the year. Which means that February's Anthem game from Bioware has all the pressure on the world on it. And to be frank, from my perspective, I, that's pressure that I'm just not sure it can sustain. Uh, I've, I've watched those trailers. I've seen those uh, developer diaries. I've looked at that game. I, I think it might be fun. It certainly doesn't look like anything Bioware's done in the past, which does... Uh, at least offer questions about whether they're capable of doing a, a really strong action-oriented RPG-type game rather than the kind of choice-based narrative games that they've done in the past. And so you're looking at a game that if it flounders, if it falters, if it doesn't necessarily have monetization that makes a lot of sense or that angers people in the worst case, you could have an Electronic Arts that dips another 50% off of whatever the share price is at the time pretty easily. Uh, and so Electronic Arts is in a really interesting position uh, where they're depending on a strong 2019 without a lot of obvious saviors in the pipeline. So I'll, all eyes should turn to Anthem, and that's going to be really interesting. Certainly, I think Bioware's done a better do job with communication than DICE did and, and Electronic Arts proper did in respect to Battlefield Five. Uh, but I do think there are reasons to be concerned about the end product, and that'll be very interesting to see unfold. Uh, when it comes to uh, first quarter 2019. Um, so with that all being said, thank you very much for watching. Uh, I very much appreciate your views. And I, as always, I would love your feedback. So please like, please subscribe, and please comment. If you've got any improvements that you'd like to recommend for the, the channel or for virtual legality in general, or if you've got anything you'd like to see me cover, uh, I would always love those tips, and I'd love to uh, help answer those questions for you. So thanks for watching, and we'll talk again soon.